Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. We cannot start this episode. We can absolutely not start this episode without thanking the following people who went to our Patreon.com and support the show. So thank you. Bill Dixon. Jonathan Renteria Elie. Jack Connolly. Alice Kazanis. Derek Haynes. Melanie Harker. Dr. Jason Woods. Allison Keen. Battle Mat Fitness. Westbourne East Bread. John Richard Helter II. Dave Trumbor III. Damn it, again. And the one and only Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, listeners out there, if you want to get on this list of super cool people, we'd love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U to see how you can support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from Haven Academy, I'll be your huntsman, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, his semblance is summoning bacon, apparently. It's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> uh, div, 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 I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. I gotta tell you what. like, I, We've been friends for a long time, and yeah. I finally feel comfortable saying the reason we're such good friends, and this is kind of selfish on my part, <laughs> yeah. is because everywhere you go, you have this amazing aroma of just like freshly cooked, crackling bacon. Hickory Thank smoked, you. meaty. Delicious. Yeah. It's just, it's a pleasure to be around you is what I'm saying. Oh, I appreciate it, man. You know, I try really hard. Mostly for your bacon. Yeah. You know. It's a, uh, well, you know, the challenging thing with having a semblance of being able to summon bacon mm. is that I'm not going to eat it all myself. I would be dead if I did that. <laughs> yeah, it's the <laughs> But that's like, that's like a great friend maker. You have like the opposite of Crow's semblance, which is to drive everyone <laughs> who he ever loved away. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I try to, I want to bring people together. You know, it's very hard yeah. because some people are just like, I don't eat meat, you know? Yeah, I, that's true. Uh, Oh, you probably drive them nuts. I, I do, but you know, the, the challenging thing is, look, like, you know, with a semblance yeah. like this, you don't necessarily get to choose or really pick yeah, your Yeah, it's no fault of your own. I mean, it's like a quirk. Yeah. We talked about a quirk for My Hero Academia. It's the same kind of thing. You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad that I have it. And for those who are interested, I'm glad to share it with. Let me ask you this. Can you some, cause with semblances, <laughs> you can, you can develop them. They change over time. They grow. Yeah, it's like a strength. muscle. It's like a muscle. Yeah. As long as you you're working it out. You, yeah, exactly. Just crank it out and you, uh, you're good to go. It gets easier every yeah. time they say. So uh, what I'm wondering is, can you summon different kinds, different quantities? Maybe you can summon a soy bacon for those folks who don't consume the pork. I'd like to think over time yeah. that it's a skill that I'd be able to develop. Mm-hmm. I'm working on uh, cher- uh, cherry smoked. Oh, okay, cherry- that's a that, man. Cherry- that's an ambitious. Goal. Yeah, or, uh, some 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 different kinds of some cherry or some apple smoked bacon. Okay, uh, I'd be I'd be cool doing that. You know, I feel I'm 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 nervous and a little bit hesitant about doing some soy bacon. Yeah, because it's you know what? Right. I'll be honest with you. It's tough to get right, yeah. and if I let somebody down the first time, it's going to be really hard to bring them in then over again. That is true. Which the same could be said about Americans making an anime series that then they re-export over to Japan. Now, I want to talk about If you about don't get it right, definition. if you don't get it right, yeah, if you don't get it right the first time, it's going to be really hard 
you're setting you're setting a very dangerous precedent is what i'm trying to say absolutely and and we need to talk about it a little bit i didn't get too much into the online flame wars back and forth this show we're talking about tonight we'll we'll stop screwing around here and we'll get to it in a second but the question of whether or not this is an anime has been around since this thing was even introduced and right again like any of these kind of uh, what do you call them, um, semantics arguments, it really depends on what your definition of that specific thing is. So what your definition of anime is will determine whether or not you think Ruby, which we're talking about tonight, fits in that category. What about you? Just off the top of your head, your gut feeling of whether or not this is an anime. I, I honestly think that uh, and, and <laughs> this is a gorgeous PlayStation 3 video game. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> i i have yet to watch an episode of ruby where it seizes up on me and wastes three hours of oh, no. of of <laughs> walking through <laughs> walking through skyrim uh and then doesn't let me save uh, i mean fair enough i just i feel like whatever your definition is yeah. it's when you began watching anime interesting okay inf- influences that idea and so like when i began watching it I was doing a lot of like 80 police files, uh, bubblegum crisis. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a lot of like this 80s and ni- uh, heroic legends of Arislan. So it was a lot of this really old 80s and early 90s anime because I was working at a blockbuster video. Right. And we had a ton of cassette tapes that nobody was renting. <laughs> right. And I, Apple I just, Seed I just take, sat there for months and months <laughs> yeah. gathering. I those. watched Apple exactly. Seed all the time. So like <laughs> these things, these things were great to be able to, to consume and really get into. You know, and then it was it was maybe like a couple months later that somebody in high school introduced me to uh, Dragon Ball, right? And 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 so that kind of helped influence. And so when I think about anime, it's been influenced by my experience, you know, through the introduction of in the '90s, through learning more about Dragon Ball, as well as also having that kind of blockbuster influence right. and, and renting a lot of those tapes. And so when I look at this, I don't really think anime what's interesting doesn't really register for me it reminds me of the arguments you would have like if your introduction to anime was like pokemon right or if your introduction was sailor moon you would always 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 have that otaku who was just like watching ninja scroll over and over again in like in like the corner of his shadowy room at night and be like this is an anime you gotta watch you gotta watch ninja scroll that's anime it's like Anime is just like, that's like telling somebody that something is sci-fi versus something else. Like if you're right. written into like really hard technological, like based on facts and science sci-fi, then kind of the goofier side of things, you know, like a fifth element or like a, like a, a oh my God, what was that other one I just watched? <laughs> Valerian? Exactly. Like Valerian, like the sillier kind of side of things. Granted, it was based on a long running graphic novel. Those two things can exist in that same genre, just on like wildly different perspectives. Sure. That's all. It's, it's all on a spectrum. So the argument over these things is silly to me. A conversation is fine. A conversation about what makes anime, what is anime to you, what is anime to other people, that makes sense. To like argue over this stuff on the internet think, is just like I, such a waste of I time. I think it's adorable that you think people are going to have conversations <sighs> on the internet. Look, you know what? You it's like my animals, last shred. You animals Look, out there are having my, nothing my but conversations. My is to hold on to a gossamer strand of optimism <laughs> that humans can still be humane to each other out there. Have a conversation, man. Go to a, go to a coffee shop, sit down, and just have a conversation in public where you actually are forced to, <laughs> to behave so that you don't get kicked out of an establishment. That's my I, advice to everybody. Else. Honestly, I hope to God or start that a you show up. 
I, right? I, I hope to God that tomorrow you show up at a Starbucks with a soapbox and a megaphone and, and just, you're like, it's going to be like, on fire. My name is Dave Trumbar, and I believe that Ruby is not anime. Change my mind. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm the troll in this situation, even though I, I think Ruby is an anime. Oh, okay. My definition of anime isn't what studio makes it, where it comes from. Okay. My definition is that it, it, it's a much looser definition that it fits like certain styles of design, of inspiration, and of just kind of like a look to it. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not going to, there's a great meme going around that it's basically like Scooby-Doo is anime. Like, because these <laughs> definitions are so loose these days, you can be like, yeah, Jetsons is anime. And I mean, whatever, if you want to make the case for that, that's crazy. But uh, there are certain things that you can look at and just be like, yeah, this is at least anime inspired. Like if yeah. you and me wanted to make an anime inspired series, we would have to try to sell it as anime. Like, sure. I don't know how, like, uh, what do you want to call it? Like Southern fried anime, like American anime. Like, I don't know. There's some stupid buzzy word, blockchain anime, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's still, if it's anime inspired to me, then it fits in that category of anime. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, though, to play devil's advocate, will sure. say country of origin. Yeah. And I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. So that's why, like, anything that came out of Canada, I don't know what you want to call that. <laughs> I don't even call anything that came out of Canada animation. I don't even think it gets that qualification in any way, shape, or form. There's, like, a couple CGI exceptions, and that's maybe it, but... Canada, we Oof, love you, but it's hard. We've had, oh we've had a rough go. Now we've had some clunkers and stinkers too along the way. That's for sure. But I don't know. I mean, just saying, like this day and age, though, like it's a global market. Say that you're an anime creator in Japan. Say you've got 50 years. Say you're Hayao Miyazaki, and you decide I'm going to move to America and I'm going to open up a studio and I'm going to make the same thing I've been doing for 50 years at Studio Ghibli, and did I just say Ghibli Studio Ghibli, and move it to America? And make stuff here. Is that now no longer anime? You've got the same people behind it. You've got the same artists, same writers, same technology, same platforms you're releasing it on. But you're in America, so all of a sudden it's not anime? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Traditionally, sure. Like, if you want to talk about the history of it, where it all started, where it all came from, and the influences that it draws on, 100%. Like, there's no arguing that. Anime didn't start in Mississippi. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. But... In this day, when anybody can more or less go anywhere and use the same influences and, and tech to make similar things, I don't know. Like, it's really tough to define. Fair enough. That's right. I, I, it's, it's, I, I just, See, it's, I'm going to get on that soapbox tomorrow. No, it's a, cha- it's, a challenging, it it's a challenging question, and I don't think there's a right or a wrong no, answer. But if we didn't have these kind of questions you animals wouldn't have message boards to fill up with bullshit. <laughs> exactly. You'd actually have to and, do something with your time. So would we. Yeah, and guess what? There wouldn't be really funny memes about this shit. Yeah, that's true. Jetsons is an anime. Uh, hey, for the poor <laughs> people out there who've been listening to us for 20 minutes now and have no clue what we're talking about, why don't you walk us through the history of Ruby? Absolutely. So Ruby, spelled R-W-B-Y, People are already like flipping their tables at home. They're just like, what? Son of a bitch. Fucking anime. <laughs> so Ruby is an American anime style web series and media franchise created by Monty Ohm for Rooster Teeth. Following several promotional trailers, the first episode was screened at the Rooster Teeth Convention event RTX 
and then released on their website in July of 2013. The series became a viral hit, and a second season, subtitled Volume 2, was released in July 2014. During production of Volume 3 on February 1st, 2015, Ohm died after falling into a coma that was caused by an allergic reaction during a medical procedure. Rooster Teeth animation head Gray Haddock announced that the series would continue and that Volume 3 would premiere in 2015 as planned. This is this is such a crazy and sad story. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things, just interject real quick, where this guy had been working on Red vs. Blue for years. He right. was like closing out season 10 and was basically saying, like, I have this idea for this story. And the heads of Rooster Teeth were like, finish Red vs. Blue first and then you can do whatever you want. He did this more or less on his own, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, to, to begin with. I mean, he had a support team, and we'll talk about that more, but more or less did these first trailers on his own. And then just as it was starting to pick up steam and like be, look like it was going to be somewhat successful, you know, he passes away, Yeah, which is just crazy from a business standpoint and a personal standpoint and a creative standpoint. It's just, it's such a sad story. Meanwhile, the first two seasons were released on home media and made available on streaming services such as Netflix and Crunchyroll, the latter of which would include releases of the current season in their simulcast. In October 2016, the fourth season was released. The series has also been dubbed in Japan and broadcast with Tokyo MX in partnership with Warner Brothers Japan. Ruby became the first American anime exported to Japan. Which is a huge deal. Crazy, crazy. Uh, The fifth volume premiered October of 2017. Rooster Teeth has released a video game called Ruby Grim Eclipse, as well as a spinoff series called... Ruby Chibi in 2016, which Ruby I Chibi. just love saying Ruby Chibi. Ruby Chibi, yeah. Ruby I don't Chibi. really watch it. I mean, they're they're cute. They're if you miss characters, if you if you have certain favorite characters in the main series, and you just want to see cute short little snippets of them being very silly, uh, Chibi's fun, and it also fills in the gaps between seasons. So while you're waiting for a new volume to come out, okay. usually Chibi follows up after that, so you can always check that out too. But they are short, literally and duration wise, they're very short. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you want to know what this is actually about, here's your synopsis. So the story of Ruby takes place in the world of Remnant, which is filled with mysterious and malevolent creatures known as Grimm. Those who train to battle the Grimm are known as Huntsmen or Huntresses. The series focuses on four girls, Ruby, Weiss, Blake, and Yang, each with their own unique weapon and powers, who form Team Ruby at Beacon Academy in the Kingdom of Vale, where they are trained to become Huntresses alongside various other student teams. The Huntsmen and Huntresses cross paths with numerous Grimm and such villains as local crime lord Roman Torchwick, <laughs> Cinderfall, the terrorist group the White Fang, and Salem, the series' overall antagonist. The story for this one is kind of interesting, though, because it, it is done serially, right? So each volume, each season, whatever you want to call it, has its own kind of arc. Obviously, the first one is very introductory. You have to get to know all these characters. Right. They're new at the school, too, so... You have to get to know the individuals. They have to get to know each other as team members. By the end of that first volume, you kind of have an idea of what's going on, and then you can go ahead with the rest of the story, which, which develops and, and deepens and gets more and more complex as you go. So I'm just saying that so that if you haven't checked out Ruby out there and you watch the first couple episodes and you're like, I don't know, I don't really think this is for me, get, stick with it a little bit longer. What about you? Because you came to this after I did, so I'm curious about how what your reactions were for the first couple episodes and, and how much you've actually watched so far. Right, so I've, I've watched volume one, two, and three okay. in its entirety. 
I know that you've watched all five volumes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it was interesting because, you know, the first couple episodes, I, I started watching and I did not, I did not have any context. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't have, <laughs> a rough I didn't have, yeah. yeah, I didn't have any expectations, uh, good or bad. I, I kind of maybe had seen some of these characters, right. you know, from, from different cosplay and different conventions. And so to, to kind of begin to take a look at it, I was like, okay, these, these characters seem kind of, familiar sure. uh, slightly you know uh, and so getting into it everything was very quick it was very snappy and you as Dave has mentioned you were getting to know these characters but you didn't really know a lot about the the world of, of Remnant and, and sort of what was going on with a bigger picture and I'll, I'll say after three seasons you I kind of have a little bit of a better idea yep. but I, don't, I still don't feel like I have even close to a comprehensive view of what's going on within this world that they live in because there's so much that happens and they do a really good job of kind of giving you little tiny snippets of things. Like you find out why people are named after colors and you're like, Oh, that's, that's a really cool factoid that like nobody has talked about up until this, like two sentences that happen before a tournament. And you're like, Oh, get in, get into that a little bit more. And they're like, and now the tournament. And you're like, son of a bitch. Uh, you know, so the, I feel like there's still a lot of interesting discoveries to make uh, for the show, which is kind of why I'm, I've been so interested in continuing to watch the series. And I, I honestly, the, the first night that I sat down and I, I think volume one is, is a little bit unique versus the rest of the series because it's it's very short, almost yeah. like five minute episodes. Yeah, super short episodes, yeah. Super short episodes. And I, I think I binged on almost the entire first season in one night. Yeah. And and was you know, and the next morning was just like, okay, cool. I'm 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 still interested in watching, which yeah. yeah. That which is and, it kind of a, a nice, you know I, I'm not saying that as like an endorsement, but I, I it had enough in there to kind of keep me wanting to to check out some of these characters, and uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about these and just in terms of uh, the actual animation style and and why I felt that way. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to talk about here, but honestly, like our normal discussion points, for me, Ruby surprisingly, and I, I say this kind of, I do say this is kind of like I don't know how they pulled this off, but like all of the the main points that we always talk about, like they kind of knock it out of the park in each of these categories. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't necessarily all work together all that well, or it's a little rough around the edges sometimes, but each of these individual categories is just like, yeah, they, they killed it. Like that's exactly what you want, which is why this became a, a international hit. So first thing we always talk about is theme song. Yeah. Can I just say, <laughs> first of all, I love, I absolutely love the music uh, in this entire series. It's done by uh, Jeff Williams and his daughter, actually Casey Lee Williams, who's the main singer for most of these tracks. I just need to say, if we're going to talk about whether or not this is an anime, one of the things that has defined an anime for us throughout 201 episodes <laughs> now has been whether or not the intro sequence has its own like dedicated animation that tells a story that hides some things in plain sight that make more sense once you go back and watch it again, and that they change their theme song for each and every arc. Yep. And that's exactly what Ruby does. Ruby has five individual uh, but linked theme songs and intros for each volume. What about you? Since you've watched uh, three of them now, do you have a favorite among the three or are there any things that stand out for you as far as theme song and intro go? 
Sure. So, it, I mean, you're right. It, 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 breaking this down, the dedicated animation, the uh, illusion uh, of things to come yeah. within the season or potential conflicts and battles, always really good. Uh, the, the, the change that they have over time. So every arc, you know, as we've talked about, especially with Naruto, with the, the wow, just the number of theme songs yeah. that they have for that they, show. They just get like a new pop band every couple of weeks to like come <laughs> in and record a new arc. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they, and I, I will say this, I, I love this kind of really angry girl rock. Oh man, that's good. That they have for this. It's, it, it, it took a little, it took maybe like the first one or two times hearing it to really get into it. Yeah. But then I, I will say this, when I made the transition from volume one to volume two, I got frustrated because I was like, oh, I really, I really like the volume one. Really? I, I think the volume one, and I, I'll explain why, is because sure. the, just the repetition. There are so many more episodes oh, in yeah. volume one that they could have consolidated. So there are a lot of times where in a five-minute episode, and this, I think the first one, the, 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 the bigger song is much, much longer. I think it's like a three-minute song. But the, yeah, and they have, the, these, they have full soundtracks for all these, too, with like right. full songs. Like Some of them are, are four to five minutes put together as like an eight- or ten-minute uh, song as well. But some of them, they pull snippets for the intro sequence. Uh, and and you, know, they just, you get into this episode with this like quick theme song at the beginning. You get maybe three or four minutes of these characters, and then it... You know, and I'm watching all of this on Verve, and then it like it immediately is just like, do you want to watch the next episode? Yeah. And yeah, and then it's like Angry Girl Rock, three <laughs> yeah. to four minutes of these characters. Do you want to watch another one? Yeah, cool. Angry Girl Rock, three <laughs> or four minutes, and it just I, I enjoyed that, and I I love the fact that, and I I do this all the time that there are just there are certain words that they said in that first theme song that I'm listening to it over and over again, and I still can't get the words right. Yeah. And I got a little bit frustrated with it at first, but then it became a challenge where I was like, okay, no, I'm going to listen this time. I'm going to figure out what they're saying. <laughs> because they, they are rhyming absolution, revolution, right. solutions, evolution, and then I don't know even, I still almost don't know what they're saying at the very end. The one line out of all of the first theme song that really, really frustrated me is they literally say, a story will be told. And the first time I heard that, I went, yeah, no fucking shit. I'm watching an anime, asshole. Like, I, like at my iPad, I was just frustrated enough to be like, oh, okay, I mean, this this better be a fun story. See, now for me, this is one of those things, like if you listen to like, I don't know, like Guar or Aman Amarth, like, like sometimes it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are the least important thing. You're just there yeah. for like the the spirit of it, the energy of it, the tone, the feeling, the whatever that you get from it. So I'll just I, be it, like, just like bob my head along with these songs and not really sing it because I honestly I don't know the lyrics to most of them, except for like "Red Like Roses" or whatever. But well, in that first volume, the the line that it leaves you on, the actual lyric is "A victory is in a simple soul." Yep. And I, I, I would have never guessed that that was the lyric from hearing it. I think I wrote down probably half a rough, dozen. So it's tough to cram oh. all that verbiage in. Yeah. Oh boy, Casey Lee Williams, you are fitting a lot into a short period She's of time. Like, all right, Dad, I'll do it, but I don't know how yeah. it's going to sound. But it's fun. I, I, I love, I love the visuals for this. Yeah. You see a lot of really frantic battles taking place, uh, which kind of fill you in in the gap of of how is the action going to take place yeah. in this series. Uh, you know, the I think volume three is really funny because it looks like they're doing sort of like a paratrooper jump 
where they're all holding hands like in a circle. <laughs> it is kind of weird, some of the, yeah. <laughs> the visuals they, that you get. But you just hear the lyric is just falling, and you just hear like, and they it's just like a very longing, like f- like falling over and over again, and then the people kind of start to break away, which, yeah. again, is a really nice allusion to what's actually going to happen exactly. in that arc. And with, so, but you don't necessarily get that until the end of the exactly. volume, which is what I love, because you can then go back and watch it again or revisit just the theme song and be like, Oh, it was there the whole time. Here's what I love about, uh, I love all five songs because they fit each volume and they all have their own kind of individual sound. They bleed over a little bit here and there. Volumes two and three, I think are some of my favorites and five, which you'll, you'll hear when you get to it. Three really kicks you in the teeth though, man. Like that's the one that like, you get like a couple beats and then it's just like, boom, just like full throttle. So they, right. they, they figured out kind of what worked, what people were looking for, what the tone or the emotion of that particular arc was. And they worked into the theme song. Yeah. That's great. And, and each character kind of has their own themes as well, which will play into the episodes. The longer that they get, the more time they have to like incorporate music and stuff into it. Um, do, you, do you have a favorite of the three that you've heard? It's definitely volume one. Did you say one. the first one still? Yeah, definitely yeah. volume one's still my I think, favorite. honestly, like four is the only one because it's a little slower. It's a little more kind of like melancholy. It's a little more hmm. self-reflective. It's not really my favorite. But one of my favorite songs within the show itself is called Caffeine. And it's when, did you see this? Did you see this, these guys show up? Team Coffee? Yeah, Team Coffee. I, I don't believe so. Really? I don't think, if, if I, I can't. They should have. I think unless it's it I mean, might like, be in four. It might be well, I mean, like you, you see. I, I mean, I've met, I've met Coco Fox, Velvet, uh, and was uh, Yatsuhashi uh, from from Team Coffee. I just don't remember the theme song that they had when they were introduced. I mean, it's hard to. I don't know. Maybe I had like. Maybe it just it just impacted me more, but uh, these guys show up in a pretty epic way with their theme song introducing them as they like drop in out of like uh, uh what, do you, what do you call the things that like a drop ship like in halo or whatever right this, this drop ship just and they just like burst out with like all their weapons drawn like a gatling gun going all kinds of stuff as this like crazy rocking riff called caffeine is just like ripping in the background and for me it was just like what it was just like this came, it came out of nowhere it was so separate from everything else going on in this episode and they just came in as like this this uh savior group uh, maybe you haven't seen it yet. I don't know, but uh, I mean, I I've seen the. Ca- I've definitely seen the. I've definitely seen the characters, you know. And and I was uh, I was very interested to learn more about Velvet, and and sort of and her uh, semblance. Yes, her semblance seems yeah. really fucking cool. Now, I don't know. I'd have to go back and see it. But if you didn't, if you didn't see it yet, maybe you'll see it uh, in Volume Four. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything because it's I mean, I'll, half I'll the fun back. is watching the show and seeing moments like that. Okay, because yeah. I know that they were definitely they. They were brought in in the third volume. Yeah. Uh, and the first episode that they're in, I think, is Field Trip. And so I'll have to, I'll have to just go back. I'll, and ju- I'll tell you what, dude. I'll just forward you that because it's already out there. It's just like their <laughs> arrival, and it's just like, okay. oh, uh, yeah. But there are okay. there are a lot of moments throughout that just have like they're just great musical moments, and yeah. it really does serve to like heighten what's going on in the in the episode. Uh, anything else before we jump to animation style? Which Let's is do this animation style. honestly, this is one time where we actually have like quite a bit to talk about as far as animation Oof. style goes. Because yeah. I'm super nerdy about the tech that goes into animation. It used to be, up until about 20 years ago, 
that you had to, everything was done by hand. Everything was just hand drawn. You draw the keyframes and then a bunch of uh, artists would fill in all the little movements and stuff in between those keyframes. And then you would have thousands upon thousands of still drawings that you'd have to, you know, flip together like a flip book. And that's how you animated things up until right. the late 90s when, you know, computer generated uh, animation started to become a little more viable than the reboot days. Um, a little less expensive than the reboot days started to become, you know, major films and things like that. So I've always been interested in the tech behind these things. The fact that Monty and like one animator basically put this first trailer together using Poser. And then later the show switched to uh, Maya animation. I don't know. I thought that was such a cool thing that he, that one person could essentially like, he, he had some concept artists and some people helping with drawings and stuff along the way. But one person, once you got all that, um, all those, they're not utilities, but all that information added into the machine. And then the software could kind of just animate whatever you wanted to animate as right. it went. And you could put together what is one of the more insane like debut trailers for, for an animated effort ever. Did you watch the original trailer? I think so, yeah. For Red? It's crazy. Yes. It's yeah. crazy. Because it, it, it's just such a different thing than you're used to seeing. There's not really any structure to it. It's just, it introduces Ruby as a character. She's kind of looks like, um, she, she looks like Red Riding Hood a little bit, like a stylized Red Riding Hood. And then just out of nowhere, she's surrounded by these wolves. And then you're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? And just like, not to ruin it, if you haven't seen this, what, six-year-old trailer by this point? Yeah, yeah. But just like, she unsheathes this like massive scythe that's also a gun that's also a, like the weapons in this in this show are absolutely are crazy and they're some fantastic. of the most fun ever and the way that they mm -hmm. use them the one of the great things about poser is that it's such a powerful animation uh tool and you can see that by the way that they're actually animated these fight scenes in the early days maya is obviously a little more powerful but like these are some crazy ass fight scenes early on what jumps out at you about animation style of uh, Ruby now that I've like waxed poetic for five no, minutes? No, no, no. You know, I, I definitely. So my introduction as I'm, I'm watching this is, like I said at the beginning of the episode, this is a really pretty Japanese RPG game yeah. that I've played on my PlayStation 3. Absolutely. And I, I, I like the style. Some of it, you know, they, they begin to do a little bit more over the three volumes that I've watched, you know, uh, just in terms of like shading. But. Some of it is kind of like that weird JRPG mm -hmm. slash uh, like cell shading, yeah. you know, and, and I, I dig that style. I, I like how that looks. These, these seem like cutscenes from video games yeah, exactly. that you're just watching a whole episode about. And, and for me, like you said, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. I think the thing that they get correct about all of this are the battles. Absolutely. And I mean, I'll, when, I'll say they also get, I think, the character design. I think they I, nailed uh, that. Well, I mean, I think the, the character design kind of brings you in, but what really further sold me in terms of the animation style Absolutely. is just is the battle direction. Yeah. And I, I don't think that that... I, I, if they didn't have that, I think that the show would be something almost completely different and not as exciting or as fun. Yeah, Because these battles, these battles really are like watching video game fucking cutscenes, like they're bananas it looks like you're uh, watching like two people on either side of like a tournament fighter fighting game yep like fight back uh, and forth like everything is seamless and fluid and it looks like it would actually make sense in this world i mean obviously things are going to be like heightened and 
not realistic at all, but it, like it fits within the world that they've set up, which is so funny because sometimes just when these characters are walking, like in the early days, sometimes their like arm will clip through their their side or their hair will clip through something, and it's like it's just weird that the the fight scene animation is so good and fluid, and you can obviously tell they spent a lot of time on it, but then other times when they're just walking around. It's so clunky. They look like they're all wearing like suits of armor and just kind of like crank, 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 crank. So I, like it reminds me of, again, like of those like really early cutscenes in video games where like all, all those characters, whenever they're being rendered in those cutscenes, they have like a track that they have to walk on. Right. And, and, and it's, it's very clearly noticeable in volume one. Like when somebody's like, I'm in a standstill position and now I have to walk somewhere and I have to walk around somebody. Yeah, like, it's like, Whoop. it's, it's that like walking straight, taking a moment, turning to the side, yeah. walking around like that. that or kind just of like path. moonwalking off to the side where it's just like, that's not a natural motion whatsoever. It, it, it's like the path navigation for this yeah. is in some cases a little bit unnatural, but then, and, and, and it's, it's laughable and it's very funny. And then suddenly you see these battles happen and you're just like, holy shit like okay cool i'm fine that you guys spent all your time with this battle exactly the other thing that really surprised the shit out of me in volume one is that they make an artistic choice that they are really focusing on spotlighting ruby yang weiss and blake right any other character that is not speaking or is not really relevant to the particular story is a black silhouette yeah, that's an interesting choice. I think honestly, just probably limitations of of poser and time, time and time and money and and just processing. I don't think that poser was really set up to be like, let's fill an arena with a million people and yeah, animate right. them all. No, but uh, but I mean that was that was one of those things where I I, I think visually it's an interesting artistic choice. Yeah. It also really kind of helped to focus in on what I should actually care about. There's there's eight students that you're you're going to give a shit about right. and like two professors that right. they're going to talk in volume one. And that's about it. And then you really kind of get into the grim, which we haven't talked very much about in terms of animation style. Yeah. They, they are really kind of striking and interesting to look at. Yeah. The grim to me are like the clunkiest element just because they clearly made a template of like one character, whatever that grim was, and then just copied it a bunch of times. Copy pasted. Hey, just copy pasted, and you can tell because sometimes the scale isn't quite right, or their like their depth of field is off, or just like their motion is like <laughs> weirdly identical or or cyclical and repetitive. <laughs> but some of the designs are really cool, and they still look a little. They still just look a little unfinished. Un- Maybe it's because they don't have any definition to them, because they're mostly just black, and it's really hard to tell right. like where their lines define them. Some of them are super cool designs, based on mythological creatures or just different things in fairy tales. Fairy tales obviously have a huge role to play in the creation of each of these characters and the stories that they go through. I love the fact that the show itself doesn't necessarily draw attention to the fact that certain names are based on certain characters from mythology or fairy tales, but fans out there have like deciphered and torn apart everything. Go to the really? Ruby Wiki, and it's it's amazing what people have put together. With oh, cool. Not just interviews and, and watching the show themselves, but like, just figuring out like, oh, so-and-so is modeled after this person from history or whatever. So some are more obvious than others, but it's, it's a neat thing to see. And it's really cool to see that each of these characters has been designed with, with specific things in mind. So like if they're more of a defensive character, they'll have heavier armor or they'll have like a shield that they wear. 
versus somebody like Ruby, who's literally built for speed. So she's right. super small and tiny, but she has this like crazy scythe that she could swing around with like reckless abandon. Oh. It's just, it's so much fun to see these things come to life, see these different characters come to life, especially in the action segments. I, agree. I, I will say just as the volumes go on, uh, the backgrounds get better. They really do fill in a ton of other characters, uh, especially once you get to volume five. Like They have like full marketplaces and cities and schools oh. and stuff filled in with a lot of people. So cool. it definitely does improve. Yeah. Speaking of all these people, uh, what characters did you focus on in your three-volume watch? I mean, I, I definitely... I mean, and the, the core team Ruby of Ruby Weiss, Blake, and Yang... Yeah. Uh, and you know you get some you get some interesting development, uh, a little bit of interesting development from from each of those, like enough to kind of keep you going yeah. and 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 keep you motivated to to learn more. Well, um, what's what's like the first thing you learn about Ruby and Yang? That they're sisters. Yeah, which is crazy because it's just they, like, wait, what? I mean, you you find out later on that they have the same dad, but they have they have different moms. Right. And so it, it's. It's kind of interesting, and you know, you find out the the reason is is because their their mothers were both huntresses, and their their father is a is a huntsman as well, and so you know it's it's dangerous business, and they're they're getting into a very dangerous family business. Uh, they kind of know what's at stake, you know. They've been they've been around it for so long, um, and it, it's knowing all of this. I love the fact that their attitudes are just so positive about everything. Like they, yeah. it, it almost seems like they couldn't be more excited to be put into harm's way. Which... I mean, being perfectly honest, if you were going to send me off to a school where it's like, learn how to use your ability and uh, harness dust magic and play with weapons and kill creatures that are jerks, I'm all right with that. Yeah, it's not, it's not, in, in concept, it's no different it from Harry fun. Potter. Yeah. It's no different from Harry Potter, My Hero Academia. It's no You've got a semblance now, Ari. Yeah. You've got a quirk now, Ari. Like, it's no different <laughs> than any of that stuff. You know, Percy Jackson. I mean, pick, pick any YA thing where it's like a bunch of young people go off to school to learn how to be badass fighters. Like, yeah. They're pumped, they're pumped about it. You know, yeah, so exactly. I, but I, I, think the, uh, I think the one character out of Team Ruby that I, I, I have been interested in in continuing to watch the story arc is, is definitely Yang. I think there's, it seems like there's a lot that's going on with Yang and, and kind of, as I mentioned from this bubbly personality, the end of volume three ends up kind of with a, 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 a contrasted personality that, that Yang has taken as a result of circumstance. Yeah. Um, we'll keep it spoiler free for people who haven't watched it yet, but I mean, there's right. some, each volume for the most part has some like big emotional arcs that get bigger and bigger as the story goes on because they're allowed to, you know, develop it more and more. Um, and some are very, very personal. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's, it, it, from my understanding, Yang's story arc kind of gets a little bit stronger, gets a little bit better, especially in volume five. So I'm, everybody's kind of does, honestly, Every, yeah, everybody so. gets their own weirdly, except for Ruby, Ruby kind of, <laughs> she has some cool <laughs> stuff that happens, but then she's kind of sidelined as far as development goes. So uh. Ruby's kind of like the everyman character, right? You're introduced to her, you follow her as the viewer and you kind of experience things as she experiences them. Weiss is kind of the, you're introduced to her as kind of like the uppity snobbish heiress, Super rich, fairly, but not really popular because she doesn't really have a lot of friends. Because people want to be like in her circle, but they don't necessarily want to be like friends with her. 
Right. Yang is kind of the big sister of the group. She's kind of protective of everybody else. She is always positive and always has an upbeat personality and is willing to jump into the fight at any given moment. But she's also got a temper. And that kind of gets the better of her at some times. And then Blake is kind of like the goth girl of the group, right? She's always dressed kind of in black and she's a little detached from everybody else. She's got some emotional baggage going on with ex-boyfriends and parents and all kinds of fun stuff. There's also really kind of like a big difference about Blake Belladonna's character, yes. which is something that they kind of get into very quickly that you're you're not necessarily familiar with because she's wearing a giant ribbon on top of her head, which yeah. I guess... Uh, makes but it I mean, it, look, you... it looked just like an anime style, right? You were just like, this sure. is an anime style. Like everybody else is wearing like pinafores and like <laughs> dancing around in boots and and yeah, or or short short shorts and leather jackets and gauntlet guns and like it's all kinds of crazy stuff. So the fact that somebody's wearing a bow or a ribbon on their head, not really that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, like it it, it felt like it was apropos of what everybody else was wearing, and then she takes this bow off and she explains to everybody that she's a faunus. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah. Like, what? I Okay, cool. So, I mean, again, you know, it's as the story progresses, as these things kind of uh, are realized and a- as they become available to the to the viewer, you're you're opening up like and unlocking more yeah. history about uh, Remnant. And, and these things are like extremely important regarding like the dynamic and how people interact with one another and so yeah. that that stuff is kind of cool to to see and well, there's the, like a t- ton of different kind of faunuses yeah and the faunuses society were super cool because it gives the um the writing team a way to kind of talk about social issues and right. treating people as the other and to raise that's a big part of volume five um to raise topics of uh you know inclusion versus should we all work together should we separate ourselves should we elevate ourselves to power instead and you know there's different factions within the faunuses this is uh it's just worth it just to hear you say faunuses this is they do a really they do a really good job with it and it's weird because it's like a it's like a subplot it's a side plot to the main thing but it's such a cool way to make sure that those social issues are included too they do a really good job with it and to sean's point there are a bunch of different fauni faunuses this is uh, that are really cool. They have a lot of fun with those character designs too, and you'll get to meet them a little bit later on. But while we're still on characters, who outside of Team Ruby, okay, are you more interested to see like more of, or who made a good impression on you? I really, I really like Pira Nikos. Okay, cool. This is going to be a tragic story, but I really love uh, the fact that they that this character kind of acts as a vehicle to understand a lot more about Remnant and sort of as we've we've hinted and alluded to some of the mythology uh, behind everything that's uh, within this world. She also kind of acts as a, a really cool mentor. Like one of the one of the big things that you understand is yeah. that one of the characters, uh, John, which is great because it's spelled like you're from Philly, J-A-U-N-E, you find out that he legally manipulated transcripts in order to get into right. the school but but no no action takes place like, there's no, <laughs> no repercussions there's no repercussions <laughs> and it it's hard to it's crazy to think that these people are like putting themselves in harm's way and this guy is like should not be here but yeah. but Piranikos is like yeah you know what i will uh i i will help you like i will i will help figure this out i will train you i will make sure that you are prepared to 
to meet these challenges. And so there's a really nice kind of a mentorship. And then you see that it's a little bit more than a mentorship, that there's right. kind of like this blossoming love story. And then sort of a lot of this comes down to a really difficult decision that Pyrrhos makes at the end of volume three. And it's, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, it's interesting to see. I'm not going to, again, give too much away, but as Dave said, like it's really part of that emotional arc that they have, that this is, this is a great character um, just to kind of watch and see that person develop. Because yeah. I, I kind of equate her to the idea that like she's the person on the Wheaties box that then all of a sudden like she, shows up at your school. Yeah. And she actually is on a cereal box. Yeah. <laughs> they made, they, they did, make light they of made, that. They yeah. made the, they had at RTX last year, they had uh, banners with that cereal uh, box and all the mascots. No. Yeah, it was really good. But That's she fun. is, she's like that all-star superhero, like elite athlete amongst these kids who are like trying to just figure their stuff out. There's a great scene early on in Ruby where they literally are like, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to test you kids and see how you can work together. And, figure out whose team you're going to be on. And these two end up on the same team. But what's funny is they basically just like launch these kids off a cliff into a forest filled with Grimm uh, and see how they deal with it. That's how Team Ruby is formed. That's how Team uh, Juniper, which um, uh, Pira and and Jean are on. And Jean's name is Jean d'Arc. So obviously a Joan of Arc reference. Yeah. One of the many references that these names are all based on. I will say if you're a fan of Jean, you got to stick around until pretty much the end of volume five because it takes him a very long time to kind of get over his uh, different kinds of trauma that he experiences throughout the volumes, different kinds of like self-esteem issues and, and setbacks and all kinds of stuff. But he has great moments in volume five. You, can't, you finally get to see him kind of like come into his own. Um, hmm. I will say one of my favorite characters though is Crow. Crow spelled with a Q, of course it is. So Crow is kind of this mysterious here here again and and then he's gone uh mentor sort of teacher sort of guide sort of protector for ruby and and the crew sort of kind of a dick definitely a dick i mean he's always drinking out of a flask um he also has a scythe i believe and yes he does he's badass too i mean he's like what ruby could be if she had like a ton of training and a lot more time and whatever but his semblance is one of my favorite things. Maybe we haven't explained semblances at all. So let's do that real quick. <laughs> semblance, like a quirk, is kind of just like an innate power that you have, an innate ability. Somebody like Yang, uh, hers is triggered by anger, emotional response. She can actually like absorb a bunch of energy or damage and then redirect it back onto her enemy. Uh, Ruby just has like super speed. So it's like they're, they're kind of just like superpowers, right? But they're very specific and tailored to the individual people. One of my favorites is actually uh, uh, Ren, Lai Ren. Uh, he has a weird semblance that allows him to like suppress negative emotions. So he's kind of like a dampener for like bad, bad vibes, which sounds weird. <laughs> but the Grimm are creatures that are attracted to that emotion. So they're attracted to, to violence, yeah. to fear, to anger, to depression, um, all those kinds of things. And he can kind of like negate that. So he could literally just hide amongst... Uh, a bunch of Grimm, and they could never actually find him if his semblance was activated. That's interesting. And he can kind of shelter other people with that as well, so it's kind of a cool thing. Uh, but but back to Crow, he's got one of the more interesting, but also like super sad semblances. Um, his is essentially like a luck semblance. So anyone who's in his perimeter basically has like bad luck. 
which is great when he's fighting one-on-one against people because they might stumble or their, their shot might not quite connect with him or they might get dirt in their eyes at the wrong time or whatever. So he has like a bad luck juju. But it's not activated just in battle. It's always active. So anybody yeah, he can't, who's... He can't, turn, he can't turn off misfortune, can he? It's no. just, it's uncontrollable. And it's always there. So he keeps people at like Ugh. more than arm's distance because he doesn't want people he actually cares about to get hurt by his own semblance, which causes misfortune to befall them. That's such a sad fucking thing. That's like, that's one of the like great depressed writers like motifs, right? Is this this kind of like tragic hero who, oh, he can't by, by things that are beyond his control. He can't get close to anybody. I, I love that so much. Uh, and Crow's a, a great example of that. So he's a cool one to anchor on and to watch if you, uh, if you are inclined to do so. I, I continually, I, I know that we, we've brought up Weiss. I really like cool. her semblance yeah. of uh, doing all these glyphs. Um, and it, it adds it, to it, like a cool, um, you were talking about the action sequences earlier. It adds a really uh, cool element to that. Yeah. You know, she, she so can create like sort of these, uh, these, these glyphs. They almost kind of look like a, like a shield, like a circular kind they're of lo- shield. They're like Pennsylvania Dutch hex symbols. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's kind of right. Yeah. Uh, so she'll she'll create them as like a barrier, and people can like leap off of them, run up buildings on them. Yep. Uh, she can use them as a way to stop incoming like bullets or or enemy fire towards her. Uh, it, it's it's interesting to kind of see some of that happen, and then you realize she becomes the first character that when they're talking about semblance, that you realize that as we've mentioned, it is a muscle that can be flexed, that they can kind of progressively get better over time and there is a hereditary portion of this that she can unlock that she does at the end of volume three yeah and that's pretty a little a little bit little 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 taste yeah you get a little bit more of uh weiss weiss is living up to a lot of family pressure so you get to see that over the course of the next volumes too but yeah she has a cool one too blake's is interesting because she can form like different clones so she can um kagebunshin no jitsu and she can uh, <laughs> shadow clone herself. She can wood clone. She can earth clone. She can flame clone. She's got some cool stuff too. And I'm like, everybody in this in this show has a semblance, right? So they they had a lot of fun with these different superpowers. And you can yeah. go through the list and check them out. But they're they're pretty cool. All right, but we're not going to go obviously beat by beat through the plot of all Oof. 98 or 78 or however many episodes there are. But yeah. in the three volumes that you watch without giving any spoilers away. Sure. What are some of the moments that really stand out for you? You know, the the in volume one, yep. they have this moment where uh, it, they're they're beginning sort of their their class. They're beginning to learn kind of what's uh, what's expected of them, and they're put sort of on these like la- like launching pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was talking about when they launch them into the forest. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's that whole moment of them getting thrown into the forest because, you know, again, as we've talked about, you know, the John's character is not necessarily really kind of prepped and ready to go. Right. This is probably for me the first moment where these action battle kind of video game cutscenes really take, uh, really kind of kick in and, and put this show kind of into that like high octane velocity that makes me kind of want to stick around and watch the battle scenes. Sure. And, and this is kind of what made me fall in love with the Yang character is that she's launched and she's like a cannonball from like Marvel. Yeah. And, and <laughs> as she's, as she's being 
throne, she's using these sort of like gun hands that for some reason reminded me a little bit of Final Fantasy VII of the character yeah, the Barrett. Blades. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, 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 I could see that. Of Barrett's character, yeah. but she's using them as propulsion. So she's, she's like, like, she's like she's, if Barrett and Tifa, like if, yeah. if that character was put together. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If Barrett and Tifa were put together into one character uh, and these like these wrist cuff guns that she has to be able to use them as a, a method of locomotion um, is just this really cool thing because you see her just take off. Yeah. Her and uh, the character Nora Valkyrie, um, just to kind of see them go crazy with like getting to a destination, that that journey was was really fun. That really stood out for me. And then just that entire first battle that you have that's in this forest with some of these grim, with some of these giant grim that they have. I think there was a, a Nevermore. Yeah. Uh, that that's present during this time. There's there's like a huge scorpion, a huge snake that they have, and so to see some of these giant creatures and the the scale is awesome because then you have these eight characters that have to really kind of kick into high gear and show you what they're capable of. Right. That was the moment where I was like, oh, f- okay, fuck yeah, I kind of want to watch the show. <laughs> and then it went totally Dragon Ball Z at me because they're like, let's do a tournament. Let's do I was a like, tournament. God, Damn it! I don't need another fucking tournament. But that you, you, thankfully, the tournament is very short, and it also uh, and they, serves to introduce another element of uh, antagonists. Exactly, and, and so there, yeah. it didn't feel like the DBZ thing where they're like, "Let's have a tournament for the sake of having a tournament and showing how strong Goku is and how shitty of a father he is to uh to go on all of his children, to, yeah, to everybody that he knows and yeah. loves." And you're just like, "Oh, please don't." But it, it it's it's cool to kind of see this uh, kick into effect to to have all of these people suddenly that you've watched as we've mentioned have kind of like walking in that video game kind of path <laughs> jank for a little bit. All of a sudden, they're kicking into high gear. Uh, everything that's being animated behind them is is a lot uh, better detailed. These these battle scenes are just fucking great to watch, and so that that's that's what you you come for. You you come maybe for the fact that these are uh you know some some attractive female characters oh, yeah, that they are definitely, rendered definitely sold people on that for sure but but just stick around because these fight scenes are fucking great and i mean it has a huge uh i hate to say female following but it has a huge audience of women as well because good good the character relationships with each other i mean first of all it centers on like four women four young girls the character relationships uh among all of them are fantastic. Some obviously get along better than others. Yang and Ruby get along, but they're also sisters, so they're going to fight too. Blake and Weiss are always kind of a little bit on the outside. But I mean, all the other characters that fold in, you get romantic relationships, you get great friendships, you have incredible rivalries, and that's all on like the hero side. You also have these villains that have some like real nasty relationships too with each other. And there's a lot of power struggle, and it's it's got good drama in it too. So I I want to make sure that that doesn't get left out of the equation. It's right. not just like a, a bang bang shoot 'em up action show, which it is, but it, it it's built on these dramatic relationships as well that make victories and losses actually feel like they should. Yeah, I kept I kept waiting for quick time events to happen <laughs> yeah, in like the middle like of something, like press screen. press X, yeah. press triangle, press circle. Oh, so no, I, Ruby died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think without, again, 
giving away any spoilers, I've got a few favorite moments that just stand out. One is Team okay. Coffee's introduction. It has <laughs> nothing to do with the story. It's just an awesome introduction, and they just like clean house, and I love it, and the song's great. Uh, there's a moment where Ruby, seemingly outmatched, discovers a new power that has yet to be explained in uh, the rest of the series so far. So she has yet yeah. another power that just kind of like, it's a little deus ex machina, but in this world where like there's all kinds of stuff that hasn't been explained yet, it's, it's a little more acceptable. You can be like, all right, I'm, I don't know what you just did. I'm hoping you get back around to it. There's, there's just, there's so much discovery within her character. Yeah. And, you know, you, it's, it's, it's fun again, because I will say, as we've talked about for anime, something happens very, very early on where somebody makes a comment to Ruby about a specific thing regarding her, yes. how she looks that then is kind of called back. And you're just like, Oh, this has that nothing of nothing was, was wasted in this. Right. They're using it every part of the Buffalo. Comment. Yeah. yeah it was actually these, these aren't, these aren't just like throwaway lines. These, these actually have uh you know, an actual bearing in how this story is going to play out. Yeah. So I, I think that, to me, when that happened, I was like, oh, fuck, like, cool. This, I, I'm, I'm kind of on board, even if this is something that's going to take, like, another period of time for them to kind of discover. Like, I'm, I'm kind of on board for that journey. Yeah. Um, a couple other points that stand out to me for more than just action reasons. Well, there's one, I think, coming up in, in Volume 4, in the Volume 4 finale. There's a really cool battle against the Grim that requires a decent number of... Uh, uh, of hunt, huntsmen and huntresses to work together in different ways. You do get to see different teams team up, by the way. So you may get to see, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. There's a bunch of different teams that like change their, their confirmations and have to learn how to work together too. So you get to see an example of that in volume four. And then in volume five, man, there's some really cool, just like solo fights. Like Yang gets in like a bar fight and it's just like nice. one of the most fun things to watch. There's just so many cool moments. It, it really depends on, which characters you gravitate towards and what arcs you really want to follow. Yeah. Regardless of the character that you're interested in, what are your opinions on rocket lockers? Oh my God. Rocket lockers are great. What a great idea. And what a great <laughs> way to work it into the plot. <laughs> They're so much fun. It's ridiculous. Right. And you were to put all of your, your high school battle gear right. into this locker. Right. And then at any point in time, you could call in support and your locker would have sort of rocket boosters on the bottom of it and would shoot out into the sky and land a couple feet from where you're standing. Wherever you were. Open up, reveal your awesome weapon. I mean, this is this is so video game oh, related yeah. that, you know, I... I but what I, a great solution to a problem. Like, oh, crap, we, we've written ourselves into a corner. We've got all our heroes here, but they were just going <laughs> to class so they don't have their weapons, and now yeah. they've got to fight their way out. Like, oh, what do we do? Oh, rocket they, locker. And surprisingly enough, they actually use rocket yes. lockers in useful ways sometimes. And sometimes which is as pranks, too. Yeah, <laughs> which, which, is, which is both fun and cool to watch, exactly. respectively. And that so. kind of sums up everything. Like, the silly stuff that they came up with was probably out of necessity for, like, mm -hmm. eh, we either wrote ourselves into a corner or, mm -hmm. oh, this, we need something else because we don't have the time or money to, like, reanimate this other thing. So... Rocket Lockers was born. Like, it's just such a great idea and just like so much fun to watch with. And here's my, my main takeaway from the show before we wrap everything up. Ruby essentially started with one guy, trusted a team of uh, co-creators and, and co-writers and artists 
he had worked closely with, and it grew into this massive thing just out of nowhere and kind of like an overnight sensation. And it wasn't anything that you would like expect to work. Like you, Rooster Teeth had been built on the machinima style of animation, right? Where they took in-game animation and then redubbed it to make their own individual stories. That's how Red vs. Blue was started. Right. They had Halo guys standing around. They had different like color shaders on or whatever. And then they would just redub the voiceovers. And, they, you know, it's still going. It's on like season 16 or whatever. But they branched out and they made their own original IP. And they were lucky enough to have a deal with, uh, with Microsoft that they were just like, can we do this thing? It's kind of like we're promoting you. Uh, but they did their own original thing and it blew up. And as a, you know, as a creator, as somebody who struggles and tries to, to, and not just me, but Sean as well, to try to get new ideas, new IP into the world and make something that people are going to love as much as you do and give back as much as you put into it or more, that's such an amazing thing. And to see something like that come from a company like Rooster Teeth that really like values its fans, values its workers, uh, and, and recognizes a good idea when it smacks them in the face, that's super cool. And it just happens to be with animation too. So, I mean, it really helps that, uh, that we're big fans of that. So, kudos to them. I hope we see more Ruby in the future. I am obviously going to recommend it in, in a minute, but am I getting my head of myself? It might be a little bit. Oh, no. Hey, because you know Dave might be recommending this in a minute, yeah. but it turns out that you, yeah, you listening right now, you have opinions and you put them on the internet and you talk about them a lot as we've alluded to during the first 20 minutes of this show. Ruby and isn't as... an anime. It just calls <laughs> an anime. Well, you know what? We're qualifying it as an anime because it's a part of Anime April That's this right. month. So, boom. Official. So, with that in mind, we are going to turn this over to longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It was written by Arter Artborg, who rated the show 10 out of 10 in a post titled An Achievement Beyond My Comprehension on February 13th, 2016. He wrote, I first became acquainted with the Rooster Teeth anime, not anime, when one of my Canadian friends posted the red trailer on Facebook. I assumed it was a trailer for a video game, but really liked what I saw. I watched the three successive trailers with much delight, but then managed to forget about the series. Around late 2014, early 2015, I rediscovered the series and absolutely adored the first volume. There was something about the notion of Red Riding Hood, aided by Goldilocks, Belle, and Snow White, decapitating an enormous monster raven by means of a machine gun scythe that I found very enjoyable. Ruby is, quite simply put, one of the greatest narrative achievements ever of all time. And Our Hate It was written by Crazy Rips, who rated the show 1 out of 10, in a post titled Overrated Piece of Crap on July 16th, 2017. This one says, If anyone else had made this garbage, they would be out of business. But hey, someone famous made it on the internet, so everyone just bends over and lets it be. Awful animation with awful voice acting and actors. It's just downright terrible. But hey, idiots keep blindly supporting this crap and they will keep getting crap. Don't waste your time with this BS. 
do yourself a favor and watch something that is even half decent. Mm. Question. Mm. Is Bobby Anthem an anime? I mean, we want to get we do, we Bobby. Really do. An- we really want to get Bobby Anthem animated to begin with. I also, we talked about, you know, they have Ruby Chibi. I want Bobby Chibi. I would, we I would Bobby love Chibi. Bobby Chibi. I want Team Bobby. I don't know who else is going to be on it. Just like four different Bobbies, I guess. I think it'd be a great team. Four different versions or personas of Bobby Anthem. Just just Team BBBY. I love it. It's a, no, that wasn't going to work. Yeah, was it? No, it wasn't What were you going to say, buddy? A Bed Bath and Beyond. I had nothing. (laughs) nothing. Just Bobby in a Bed Bath and Beyond fighting crime. That's the show. Looking at towels. Just, just looking, looking at for a towels, good deal. trying to buy random, looking into his wallet and then just swearing at the fact he's like, oh, I thought I had that $5, that 20% off coupon. Son of a bitch, nope. I left it at home. Left it at home. Episode one. Life hack. Just put a shit ton of them in your car. That way you always have them. Or literally just go up to the register and just be like, give me that coupon. I know you got like yeah, sheaths of them back there. <laughs> sheaths. Uh, but no joke, we do want to see Bobby animated one way or another. We're working on it. Yeah, we got to get Poser. Start with Poser. <laughs> this is going to be fun. I'm going to remake the first Red trailer with Bobby in place of Ruby <laughs> and just have him just, just beat the shit out of a bunch of werewolves. Bobby, <laughs> let me know if you're cool with that, and we'll go from there. Uh, so, Ruby, yeah. Dave, yeah. recommend it. Or if you do not recommend it, you can also give it the dip, which means that you are going to erase it from the annals of cartoon history. There are some people out there, as Bobby mentioned, who would probably like to dip uh, Ruby. I think it's a, it's a fantastic addition to the contemporary canon of computer-generated uh, animated series. We didn't mention this before, I don't think, but Monty's original idea for the style was to see kind of a... The action that he's used to seeing in like 2D traditionally done anime series, but in like a 3D space. So very much to Sean's description of like a video game action scene, which is essentially yeah. what we got. But they could have stopped there and just been like, this is cool. It looks like a video game. That's neat. But they went so much further with the character design, the development of each of the individual characters, and then all the details that they added after the fact. And maybe it was just happenstance and, and, and great luck. But they've really developed something that's interesting. And I think... Pretty much anybody can watch and find something that they really like about it. So I recommend it. What about you, bud? I am definitely going to recommend this as well. I, I think that, you know, for the, the video game cutscenes, if, if you can get through a little bit of the jank in volume yeah. one uh, to the point where they're launched into the forest <laughs> to, to kind of see some of these battle sequences, I think that it makes it, it worth it for that and some of the character design. I think that I'm going to yang around. Oh, my God. Yep. Well, it's been a great you, you 201 episodes, but I you think you're upset about that. Oh, uh, really? Th- this is the problem that you have. Look, I feel, I feel if I'm going to yang around, I feel that some of these comments that I've made, they really go hand in hand. That's awful, by the way. What? <laughs> I was just sitting here struggling, trying to come up with a Blake Weiss and or Ruby pun. I got nothing. I got nothing, and I'm upset about it. Uh, hey, well, bud, what are you up to in the next couple of weeks other than watching Ruby Volume 4 and 5? Hey, everyone. As always, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. And as always, I'm on the IG and the tur at what? It's turrible at Sean Paul Ellis. Uh, 
just to let you guys know, Sean did tell me if enough of you show up at his next show, he What's will that? wear your chosen Ruby cosplay. So whatever you want to pick for him, oh, he no. will wear the cosplay. So pick a good one out there. Oh, Make sure you watch. Hey, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. MD. You can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbore.com. If you want to find more about this little show right here, we would love it if you'd head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, just like Ruby, sort of, it's morning with a U, not a W. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, on our Patreon page, you can find out all kinds of info. You can get caught up on previous episodes that we've posted. If you are a patron, like so many fine folks are, you not only get a newsletter, you get early access to each of our episodes, and you get exclusive behind-the-scenes content of us two chuckleheads saying real stupid stuff for roughly <laughs> 10 to 30 minutes at a time. So if you didn't get enough in this hour plus, uh, you can pay for the privilege of listening to more. Uh, beyond that, you can head on over to SaturdayMorningCartoons.com, follow us on Twitter at MorningTunes, check out Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. We're going to have some fun stuff coming up on there in the months ahead, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you can also keep the conversation going on Facebook. We actually absolutely love it that you do. And keep listening to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, if you want to reach out to us directly, send us an email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Hey, we're like what? Like a th- half, third of the way through April? How do calendars work? There were five weeks, and so thankfully we have done two anime shows in april and we did our 200th episode last week a so bonus. We, are, we are halfway through nice. so we have two we have two more shows to go are they going to be non-animes like ruby uh they're actually you know what oh one of those i'm going to argue hard against yeah one really actually you know what both of them could be made a case could be made that neither or both are anime okay uh, I, I am looking forward to that discussion. One of these, no. I'm going to hard rail against. Uh, really? Stay tuned, kids, because I'm going to be mad about it. Oh, man. All right. Well, I'm excited about that. And I can't remember what's up next, so I'm either going to be super jazzed or super mad next week. Come for the cartoon. Stay for Dave's high blood pressure. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me. I have to transform and roll out.